Welcome back to On Track Tips. My name is Jason Weiser, and you're listening to Get On Track, Stay On Track, and we're helping your small business one expert at a time. And this week, our expert is none other than New York Times bestselling author, Jay Bear. He's the uh, author of the wildly popular book, Utility. It's a must-have for every small business owner. You need to get this book in your marketing arsenal. If you don't have a copy, go ahead and get one. There's a link in the description on the side. It's our affiliate link. So go ahead and you can support On Track Tips at the same time that you are buying, adding this book to your library. If you don't know Jay Bear, he's a hype-free marketing consultant. And as far as I'm concerned, he's one of the hottest names on the keynote circuit because he packages entire concepts into these wonderful and useful sound bites you can hear some of these great nuggets every day when you tune into Jay today and you get a piece of his mind in three minutes. He's worked with more than 700 companies since 1994, including 30 Fortune 500s. He runs the very popular Convincing for Blog. He was voted in high school as the most likely to be a talk show host, and that he is. He's the host of the weekly Social Pros podcast, which features social media managers from leading brands explaining how they succeed in social. And look for Jay at your at the uh, social media conference nearest you and make sure that you walk up to him and ask him, Jay, is it true that you buy all the drinks? Jay Bear, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. Fantastic uh, to be here. We are going to get on track. We are going to stay on track. We are going to... <laughs> We are going to fire hose these people for the next We're going to back it up. and a half minutes. <laughs> you know what? I, what I want to do is I, I've been. I love your three minute your three minute Thanks. clips, but the problem is they're too short. So we're going to grab about five of your three minutes and we're going to drag them out a little Stitch bit them together. Yeah, and smash them into thirty minutes. Okay. I like it. So uh, I want to say hi to all of our friends over on Twitter right now that are following the hashtag on track tips. Hey, friends on Twitter. Your Twitter chat question today is, which is more important to your business, social media or content marketing? I know it's a difficult question, but go ahead and answer that. Get the That's discussion a good question. started. I like that. On track tips, which is more important to you. And uh, lastly, we want to thank our sponsor, Wiser Sites, for making this episode possible. Wiser Sites is an online general contractor, and they're asking you the question, what are your goals? What are your resources, time, and budget? And they're going to guide you past all those shiny objects straight to a measurable ROI in your marketing objectives. Custom WordPress themes, plugins, analytics, social media, and hosting, wisersites.com. Call us today, 231-432-8177, and let's talk about your business needs. Now, let's get into the show. Jay, what do you think about that headline, huh? Is your marketing more interesting than your customer's wife? That is the bar that we have to clear today, Jason, because uh, as you well know, especially all the things that you're doing out there and a lot of listeners are doing as well, you know, we are in an era where business and marketing is hyper-competitive. I mean, competitive in ways that were unthinkable just, you know, three, four, five years ago. And when you look at Facebook uh, or Twitter or email or Google+, Plus or to some degree LinkedIn, although not quite as much, certainly Instagram and Pinterest, what you find in your feed is a combination of personal and professional relationships, right? So you see stuff from family members, you see stuff from friends, right adjacent to content from businesses who are trying to clamor for your attention. And so, uh, as I say in the utility presentation, it's not necessarily about are you better at marketing than the other small business that happens to sell the same stuff that you sell. The question is, are you more interesting to me than my wife? Because that is really your competition. When you look at Facebook, you look at email, you look at anything, you are competing for attention against individuals that we actually love. And friends, that is not an easy game for marketers or business people of any size, shape, or description. 
It's funny that title. My wife is looking over my shoulder and she's like, hold it. And she saw it in my stream. She said, did you write that title? I said, yes. She said, oh, please tell me that you're not going to become one of those hype marketers that are writing buzzworthy headlines just with a, you know, a bunch of empty promises and no content. And I said, well, I'm sure going to try not to be. <laughs> We're going to talk about nine things today. Number six can't be real. <laughs> That's my favorite headline. Shock you. That's my favorite headline. Really shock number, six, you. number six can't be real. Jay, we hear this all the time that people are saying that you know I'm a small business owner and I spend my whole day running my small business. I'm a small guy. I'm bootstrapping here. I just don't have time for social media. And uh, and I'm following people like Jay Bear, Chris Brogan, Pam Moore, but I'm still not seeing any results in my efforts. And what I tell my customers is that it's because you're selling commodities, you're not selling consulting. So try stop trying to be every everywhere and stop trying to do everything. Stop trying to be Jay Bear. Stop trying to be Chris Brogan and uh, start being a resource to your customers. I probably learned that, in fact, from you in Convince and Convert. So I want the question I have for you is, uh, you know, what can we talk to about these, uh, to these small business owners to answer that question, how can I, you know, do this uh, and still manage my business? The, the big problem is that people worry about how to do social media. And don't worry about how to do social media. Just worry about being social. Find a way... To, to do whatever it is you do in the real world that makes you a, a successful business person. Why do people give you money ever? I don't care if you sell pens or consulting or sweaters. There's a reason that people give you money. What is that? Is it price? Is it service? Is it product? Is it availability? Is it expertise? Whatever that is, find a way to double down on that differentiator in social media. So people think of social media as some sort of like different animal, and it's not. It's just an amplification of what already makes you success, which is why, Jason, when you look at sort of case studies in, in social media, all social media does is, is ensure that the rich get richer. Companies that are good tend to do better because of social media, and companies that suck fail faster because of social media, and that's because social media isn't a unicorn. It's just a horse. So I find that most people, especially small businesses who, who struggle with social media, it's almost universally because they're overcomplicating it and overthinking it. They're worried about what's our Facebook strategy, what's our Pinterest strategy, what's our Twitter strategy, what's our LinkedIn strategy. And I say that as a social media strategist. The better approach is to just say, what can you do? What one thing can you do every day that people are going to give a shit about? Just do that. Right. Well, you know, it's, we hear this a lot. Be social, be authentic, be genuine. And uh, especially with, uh, you know, um, networks like Google+, Plus, where you're kind of expected to be a lot more engaged than simply yeah. putting up a post and sharing it, you know, kind of more like an advertising. There's mm -hmm. a real pushback on the Google Plus community. And many of your peers um, that I've spoken with, Brian Carter is one of them that just says, I simply don't have time for Google Plus and being authentic and being social and engaging. I, you know, yeah. I got a lot better ROA over on my Facebook ads. Thoughts? I think that's, that's wise. Um, you should absolutely pick your spots. Um, I mean, people think that, that, you know, I'm in all these places, and I am, but we have a whole team at Convince and Convert that, that helps us create content, distribute content, amplify content. Yeah, I do a lot of it, and I'm making videos and podcasts and all that, but don't, don't be misled. Uh, I mean, there's a whole infrastructure uh, behind the scenes that allows us to be as, as broad as we are. And I'll tell you, when we started out in this company six and a half years ago, whatever it is now, and it was just me, 
yeah, I was not in as many places as I am now and not creating the kind of content that I'm creating now because there's no way I could. I had a business to run. And so um, you know, you were much better off being being good and truly participating in, in one place than you are being okay in, in five places. And I think anybody who really understands the business will tell you the same thing. So uh, how do we not suck? At social, we hear it all the time. And today's marketing is driven by engagement and referrals. Yeah. How do we how do we build these? Uh, if we can't afford somebody to manage it for us, and if we just genuinely suck, should we not do social? Uh, well, if you if you are truly bad at it, no, you shouldn't do it because it, it'll just it'll just leech away brand value, right? If you're really not good at it, you shouldn't do it. There's no law that says you have to do it. Look, most people who are thinking about doing social already have a successful business, so. You know, there are people out there, consultants that you probably know, who say, well, if you don't do social media, it, you're on the road to ruin, and eventually your business is going away. Those people don't actually understand business. Uh, that's, that's not tr true. Um, you can run a very successful business and never log on to social media ever. Now, do I think that's a good approach? No, because eventually your customers will really want to interact with you in social, and over time we see that more and more and more and more. I mean, we got 62% of America on Facebook. I mean, that's no joke, right? That's... That's what cable television was 10 to 15 years ago, and nobody said, hey, this cable TV thing's a niche. That, that's not going anywhere. So I think ultimately you probably have to do something, but, but how do you not suck, I think, is, is a couple things. One, make sure if you're going to pick a social network, pick one where your customers are more likely to be, and some of that is topical and some of it's generational and demographic. And two, do the social media that you like. Jason, here's something I think people need to understand. If you don't love social media, you probably suck at social media. And and people tend to suck because they don't love it. The reason why Brian Carter, who, who's a very smart man, the reason why Brian Carter isn't on Google Plus is not because of time. That's just a lie he tells himself. He's not on Google Plus because he doesn't love Google Plus, period. End of sentence, end of story, end of truth telling, right? You participate in social media in ways and in venues and with people that you appreciate, that you take personal value from. So if you really like taking pictures, you should go build a following on Instagram. You should find a way to tell your story with pictures on Instagram and build relationships there. And eventually, if you do it right, it will work for your business. If you like to write longer form posts and engage and almost sort of combine a blog into social media, you should be on Google+. right? If you like the short form mobile immediacy kind of angle, you should be on Twitter. right? I mean, you, you should do what you love to do because when you love it, you're good at it. And when you're good at it, people appreciate it and understand it and realize it. I love that you uh, you know that you give it you say it like it is you know there's a lot of social media managers and people out there selling products that are trying to sell you on this thing that you have to be on social and of course it is ideal but if you suck then you don't have to be on social and so oftentimes you know it leads to this kind of this whole market of these mediocre social media managers who I have said you know it's kind of like buying gold and silver with your credit card you know it is how it kind of feels like to me thoughts no doubt oh no, I completely agree it, it, we are we are in a, a very frothy bubble right now where, where there are a lot of consultants who, who sort of prey on small business and small businesses fear of, of, of being left behind and fear of missing out and saying, hey, I've got the secret solution, I've got the product and I've got the webinar and I've got the course and I've got the DVD set or, or the t-shirt or whatever. And I'm not saying that those products aren't worth an investment. They, they may very well be. Uh, but, but, I, but I don't think you need to do that. You just need to look in your heart and say, what do I want to spend time doing? Right? I mean, the people who go to the gym are people who love going to the gym. The people who don't go to the gym are people who don't love going to the gym. And, and social media is the same way. If you don't love social media, then find somebody who does and, and put them in charge of your message there. 
Yeah, you, anybody that's tuning in right now, you're listening to Get On Track, Stay On Track, and we're helping your small business one expert at a time. Today's expert is none other than Jay Bear. And we're talking about, is your marketing more interesting than your customer's wife? Uh, Jay, you know, talking about these, um, uh, you know, they're, they're, you hear the word snake oil salesman, you know, um, whatever. So without getting too far down that road, uh, shiny object. That's another term I hear thrown around a lot. It's a cliche. I get it. But what really bugs me about that cliche personally is that most of, at least my listeners, most of them, they don't even know, they wouldn't know how to identify a shiny object, first of all. <laughs> so, I mean, so, so and the second thing is yeah. I would know how to avoid it, you know, if I, if I identify yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think that's as, as much of a small business issue as it is a big business issue where they're always trying to chase uh, chase the advantage, chase a differentiator. Uh, now, I think what, what when people say shiny object, uh, I think what they typically mean in a social media context uh, are new opportunities and and new venues. So this week, Ello is a big uh, a big opportunity, right? Recently, you saw more and more businesses jumping on board with Snapchat, WhatsApp, things like that. Hyperlapse, um, the new time lapse video option from from Instagram. You know, I can make a case for all of those. Uh, I can make a case for creating content in all of those if you're a certain kind of business. And and usually the shiny object. Uh, gets adopted first by the young uh, and the technologically savvy. So if your business uh, is is you know really focused on youth and or people who are disproportionately savvy with technology, then you probably should uh, embrace shiny objects. And in fact, if you're not, you probably have a problem. Um, but most businesses, that's not their market, right? Most businesses are not are not relying on. 18 to 24, or even 18 to 29-year-old Americans. They they have a different target audience. Therefore, you should probably wait for these newer social opportunities to reach some level of maturity, uh, like Instagram. Right? Instagram is now bigger than Twitter. Uh, is growing faster than any other social network, including Facebook. Um, you know, Instagram is is mainstream now. Right? I mean, it is it is at that point where you know it should be in the same conversation as as Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, and in many places, uh, it is it is in the same conversation. And, and but it, it has taken a while, right, to get to get to that point to sort of join the the big sort of join the adults table, if you will. Yeah, the adults table. I love it. Um, you touched on something that I don't hear a lot of people talking about. It's profound. This conversation about website traffic, because we're all kind of inundated with this concept that we need to create all this content. You know, I like your quote. What is it? Content, uh, content is fire, uh, and uh, social media is the gasoline. Is that the quote? That's right. Uh, yeah. but, but then you develop that a little bit further, and you say that. Uh, well, let me just read it from my notes here. I'm trying to go off notes, but stick to your notes, Jason. Another great quote of yours is that you need to be developed. If you are looking at a website traffic as a major success metric, you do not fundamentally understand the purpose of your website. You have to focus on behavior, not eyeballs. Let's take some time on this. Well, unless you're selling ads, and most people are not. Uh, I, I am, uh, so I'm a little different, um, but most people are not selling ads on their website. Uh, so the, consequently, traffic to your site has zero net present value, right? Traffic is only a lottery ticket. It, it isn't actually a dollar. Because somebody coming to your site doesn't mean anything. In fact, it's actually, you could argue that somebody coming to your site is an expense because there is some fractional hosting cost that you are paying to, to support that person's visit to your site. Uh, it's only if the people who come to your site do something of value 
that actually benefits you. And we assume, we just always assume that all website traffic is good and all website traffic creates awareness and all website traffic generates leads and sales uh, ultimately, but that's not true at all. If you look at your statistics, you'll find that a large percentage of your traffic, and in some cases the majority of your traffic, is on your website for 10 seconds or fewer. That has no value for your business. So what you've got to do is dig a little deeper and say, okay, amongst the people who come to our website, how many of those people stay for five minutes? How many of those people subscribe for the email newsletter? How many of those people download the ebook? How many of those people fill out a contact us form? How many of those people visit a pricing page? How many of those people do anything that indicates any sort of interest in a business transaction? Those are the people that actually matter. And then you look backwards and say, where do those people come from? And, and why do they come? Is it, is it a, a Google Hangout? Is it um, an ebook? Is it a tweet? What's getting those people to the website, those who actually engage in behaviors that matter? Their total number of visitors is irrelevant. It's the number of people who actually engage in a behavior that leads to revenue. That's the subset of your traffic that you really ought to spend 95% of your time analyzing. I have a, um, a, a, a client that just recently hired us. She's a mom blogger and just happened to hit on a great topic. And she's had, she's seen like 10,000 to 30,000 hits a day. And uh, she's like, wow, I never even imagined this. I don't know how it happened. And, and now I want to monetize it. What should I do? So in, in that same sense of all this traffic, now you need to be able to identify who the people, she's got huge bounce rates too though. Yeah. Um, so, so now what would you tell her about how she could then start to monetize this traffic? Uh, I would say in a circumstance like that, you probably want to have a three-stage monetization, or not three-stage, a three-prong monetization system. One, I would have uh, sponsors on the site. I would get actual direct sponsors who then are, are paying for those eyeballs, right? So I would have a title sponsor and a couple of secondary sponsors and charge them monthly to be on every page of the site. Uh, that's step one. Step two would be uh, a direct monetization scheme uh, perhaps a $3.99, $4.99 ebook, which takes the core principles of what's made her successful, goes deeper into it, something that people can take away from the site, print out, share with their friends, you know, 25 pages, something like that. Uh, and then the third would be sort of an indirect monetization scheme so that um, you can make sure that people can stay in touch with you, some sort of a, uh, a, a gourmet email product. So maybe not just get, get blog posts via email, but hey, uh, Chris Brogan does this particularly well. Hey, we're going to send you an email every week that only people who are on this list get it, and it's sort of my best and, and strongest thinking. And then you can either use that as a way to drive awareness to other products that she may be working on down the road, or you can get that email sponsored uh, as well. So those are the three things I do. Talking about sponsors, do you have a resource or a tool? Because like, I know you can't answer the whole thing right now, but do you have a, a resource or tool where somebody uh, like this person could go to to say, how do I approach a sponsor? Oh, that's a great question. Um, no, and you know what? I should do that. I should write. I should make that ebook because we have tons of sponsors and have for years, and we have lots of sponsor relationships and learned a lot of lessons there. Thank you, Jason. That's a really good idea. I'm going to uh, at some point uh, put that together, an ebook from from me and convince a convert on how to how to create sponsorship relationships for your blog. That's a damn good idea. Thank you. Well, great. When you do your J today, my uh, Twitter handle is. I will. I will shout that out. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going right. to do one after this, actually. So I will, am I gonna, I'm writing this down. Awesome. Awesome. All hey, right. um, I've got a great question here from uh, Jeff C., who is over at the Manly Pincher Show. And if you haven't seen what he's doing, uh, he's doing some amazing stuff with his video. And he's been, he and I have been talking privately about your J today. He wants to know about your ROI. Have you seen any ROI uh, from 
the J Today Show, or tell us just a little bit about that. Uh, thanks, Jeff. Good question. Uh, it's interesting, right? So uh, I started the show because I only write one blog post a week now. I used to write a lot more, but uh, I'm traveling and doing other things. And so I felt like there were more opportunities where I had something to say but didn't have a venue. Plus, I want to do more video content just because it's on trend, right? So I started the show um, to be able to, to give myself more opportunities to, to just create content. Uh, we do have sponsors for the show, so from that perspective, the ROI is pretty great uh, because I'm, you know, I'm getting people to give me checks every month for sponsoring the show, so that makes it pretty simple. But I think the question is probably more along the lines of what happens post-show. It's a little bit hard to it's a little bit hard to divine that. Uh, we have subscribers to the podcast, we have subscribers to the YouTube channel, etc. Uh, what I find in that show is is that the numbers, right, the overall viewership is not huge, not in comparison to what we do on the blog or even on the Social Pros podcast, but the J Today videos solicit so much more conversation than anything else I do. It's not even close. It's really, really interesting. And, and the power of video and the power of that sort of personal in-your-face video and the fact that I do it every day or almost every day and it's very short... Uh, all of those things have created conversation. I've seen several other people now uh, starting to do similar videos, which I think is great. Uh, I'm really excited. Exactly. I'm, I'm excited about the fact that it seems to have sort of um, lit a fire under a lot of people who are doing a similar kind of project, which is really exciting. So, um, you know, I, I always kind of play the long game with a lot of things. Like, for example, I don't know if you know this, Jason or Jeff, we're getting ready to launch a site uh, later this month called marketingpodcast.com. And it's a discovery engine for marketing podcasts. So if you're interested in a, you know, you like social pros, maybe you want a different show, uh, you can actually go to marketingpodcast.com, put in the kind of show you're interested in, marketing, small business, SEO, social media, and it will actually recommend podcasts to you. And, and you know, there's, we have a sponsor for that, of course, uh, but there's not a ton of direct ROI, but indirectly it's important, right? Because it, it positions me as somebody who can kind of bring the industry together uh, and it's also just a necessary resource. I, I decided to build that site after looking for marketing podcasts myself and realizing that it's impossible to find them, right? If you go to iTunes, it's a total hot mess, right? So it's like, look, we can do this better. So we just built it. So I'm always sort of thinking about, all right, let's just build platform, right? Michael Hyatt is one of the smartest guys in the world about building platform. And so what I try to do is just build platform assets, and eventually it all generates ROI, just in a way that's not necessarily... Um, uh, you know, I can't pinpoint it, but I look at, look, this is the seventh year that I've had convinced to convert. It started with just me. Now we're 10 people. We've grown the business 40% a year, every single year for seven years in a row. We'll be on the Inc 5,000 list next year. It, it, it all works together. Um, so I don't, I don't get too freaked out about exactly how many clicks does the video generate versus the podcast versus the blog post. Um, I, I try and think about everything a little bit more holistically. And I think that's actually a good, uh, recommendation for everybody to sort of think about your business as a circle, not as a line. Jim Burrell also shouts out that he uh, likes your three-minute uh, today videos. Lots of great information in those three minutes. Thank you, Jim. You know, it, 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 it's, you said something in another one of your interviews that I thought was really profound. Uh, you were talking about how you're concerned that you might be having too much J out there. You know, one yeah. one side of the spectrum is not enough content. The other side of the spectrum is too much content. Yeah. So I want to weigh that against this discussion that we always hear about the 80-20 rule. Um, t just take it away from there. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of ways to consume things that, that I create, um, you know, 
blog, podcast, video, you know, books, speaking, etc. There's a lot of different ways to to get at it. Um, and I feel like we're right at that well, email, even daily email as well. Uh, we're sort of right at that point where we sort of filled up as many sort of kiddie pools as we can, and that the you know we now we have to start saying okay. If, if we're going to create additional, you know, major content programs, we probably have to get rid of some of them um, because there is a risk of overexposure. There is, you know, I, I reach a, a large audience within the context of our audience, which is an incredibly small audience, right? I mean, you know, I am, I guess, well known within digital marketing circles, but that circle is pretty damn small, right? I mean, you know, you start thinking you've got sort of famous people and celebrities and business famous and marketing famous and social media famous, like it's pretty far down the list uh, to, to get to me. So uh, it's not that big of an audience and you do run the risk of overexposing people, I think. And so I'm, I'm very cognizant of that, of people saying, you know what, I'm just sick of that guy. Uh, and I think we're right on that right on that edge right now. So the next thing we, we invent, and that's what happens, I just come up with ideas and we do them. The next thing we invent is probably gonna have to be, we add one and take one away. Yeah, so in terms of social media posting, then you, if you, when you're producing this much content, and you know, and, and I know that, that and another quote I love about you, by the way, I want to say is that uh, you said people want certainty, people want recipes. The problem is that if you think you need a recipe, no recipe can help you. I love that. And so some of these recipes are things like the 80/20 rule: only post, you know, 20% of your stuff to 80% of their stuff, which talks to curation versus yeah. creation. Um, and so what does, what would you say to somebody, you know, then we hear you're only supposed to post three to five posts a day or, uh, so if, if, if I have all this content, how do I start to sprinkle my content in there and still drive traffic to my website and still weigh this, you know, this, this, uh, fulcrum of curation versus, uh, creation? Well, and I think those recipes and those best practices are, are useful in that it gives you a starting point, right? The, the 80, 20 rule is a useful starting point, three to five posts a day is a useful starting point, but what you've got to do is then test that for your own content and your own audience, right? If, if you are, are, are doing a, an Instagram account that's based on Arabian horses, uh, the, the appetite of that audience for your content and different types of content may be very different than the appetite of my audience for my content, right? So um, three to five posts a day is a great place to start, but you've got to test that. And I would test it by saying, okay, let's do one great post a day that's really, really rock solid, and then let's do eight that, that are maybe not quite as, as crafted and then test those over different cycles and see what happens. Um, same thing with, with you know, the 80-20 rule or 50-50 or however you want to handle that, you know, your own content versus, uh, versus curated content. It's a good place to start your test, nothing more, nothing less. Right. Uh, we've only got about three, four minutes left, and so I want to grab some of these co uh, comments from our audience. Thank you, everybody that's tuned in today. Paul Steinbrook is a regular here. We love Paul and uh, what he's doing over that over at ourchurch.com. Uh, he says, great point, Jay. Uh, that's true of everything for which people say, I don't have time for this, that. It's not that they don't have time. It's that they don't want to do it. And then uh, I like this question by Alexandra uh, Ricky. Uh, she says, how do you choose the right team that you knew would be able to help you maintain that authentic voice that you have? And remember, we've only got about two minutes. Uh, those are both great. Let me, let me take Paul's first. I'll, I'll, let me jump on that and say, uh, it's not only that people don't want to do it, it's that relevancy creates time. When you say, my audience doesn't have time to consume my content, what it really means is that your content isn't relevant enough. If you were hyper-relevant, 
time magically appears, always. In terms of the team, Alexander, fantastic question. Um, here's my rule. If I'm going to have somebody um, say something or create content that ostensibly comes from me, the relationship I have with those people has to be very, very close. So um, the only people that can ever sort of make content that, that is close to me are people that I actually know personally and have known, seriously, I'm not making this up, like 6, 8, 10, 12 years. I'll, I'll find great people to do other things. I'll find great people to be consultants. I'll find great people to do other parts of our business. But if it's our voice, it's people that, that literally know what happens in my head. That's the only way I think you can do it. You can't outsource your voice. Or if you do, it's really, really dangerous. Which is why I don't like small businesses hiring some kid to do their social media for 200 bucks a month because that person doesn't really know what you're about. And again, social media is about people and personalities, not logos. And some kid down the street, your cousin's brother's friend's neighbor's uncle is not going to really understand what you're trying to convey spiritually in social media. You're better off finding a way to do it yourself 20 minutes a day. You can't outsource your social media voice. You can't outsource your brand voice for $200 a month. I love that. And David Kutcher has a quote that he put up here that uh, speaks to that too. He said there's a lot of small businesses that don't need to be on social and will likely never get value from social. And it's appreciated, Jay, that you acknowledge that regardless of the love or hate of it. Um, Thanks, Dave. Our, our last question from our audience is going to come from Kenneth Manasseh. We also have, um, we're going to go over a little bit today, but that's okay. It's Jay Bear. Uh, Kenneth is going to ask us the question, uh, you talked about investing in new businesses as a VC. What are some types of businesses that you are looking to invest in? Uh, thanks, Kenneth. I appreciate uh, you, you asking that. I'm, uh, I'm an angel investor in, I don't know, 14 or 15 companies now. Uh, probably the one that, that this audience might be most familiar with is Buffer, uh, which is a fantastic social media uh, management tool. There's several others in the social media space. Um, so first, when I make investments, I typically invest in, in marketing technology. Not always, but typically, because I feel like I know more about that than other industries. Um, time, time, time will tell. Uh, but I, you know, I feel like at some level you should invest in what you know. You just have a better success ratio at that point. But I think the, the key for, for angel investments is that it's, it's jockey and horse, right? It's the horse has to be good. The idea has to be really solid. But the jockey, the people involved, the, the you know, founders of the company have to be exceptional. And I have seen, it's taken me a while to figure this out, but I think the jockey is more important than the horse. Great people can pivot to new ideas. Great people can change their company based on market conditions. Um, great ideas usually don't outlast poor management or even mediocre management. And then on a more tactical level, over the last couple of years, I've really been emphasizing uh, in startups, like what is your sales plan? Not your marketing plan, but what is your sales plan? So many startups, especially in the software business, um, feel like they're going to succeed solely through inbound marketing, and they're gonna create this great blog, and they're gonna have videos, and then people are gonna come to their website and give them money, and that is almost never enough, almost never, especially for, for higher dollar software. You have to have a sophisticated sales team, people who actually get on the phone and open and close deals, and in most software company founders really don't understand that world. And so I use that as a filtering mechanism quite a bit now, whether they understand sales. Talking about sales and closing deals, the last lightning round question we're going to have for you or fire hose question. I got to slip it in. Uh, you've said that if this is another one of your quotes. If somebody has to call you in order to buy from you, you're probably doing it wrong. Send us out the door. So we used to, transact face-to-face, um, -face, like all the time, right? You would window shop, right? You would actually call somebody. You would walk into a store and say, what do you have to 
sell in the store, and it doesn't work that way anymore. People kick the informational tires themselves from afar via the internet all day long, and the vast, vast, vast majority of websites out there do not have enough information for a prospective customer to say, yes, I've got all my questions answered. I can actually give you money now. They have to actually call you. They have to call you and get other questions answered. And every time they have to do that, a, a significant majority of people are like, nah, it's not worth it. It's not worth calling you. It's not worth emailing you. I'm, I'm out. So Marcus Sheridan, um, who some people are probably familiar with uh, watching today, uh, is, is particularly effective on this point. He says, look, if you don't have all your pricing on your website, for example, um, you are costing yourself tons and tons and tons of opportunities because people don't want to call for price. They just want to know how much it is, and he's exactly right about that. You're listening to Get On Track, Stay On Track, and we are helping your small business one expert at a time. Our expert today is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, the New York Times bestselling author of Utility. Make sure you buy your copy of Utility. Add it to your marketing arsenal for your small business. We want to say thanks because today we are talking about is your marketing more interesting than your customer's wife, and I'm confident that we answered that question on how to do that. You want more information and you want to hear more interviews like this for experts like Jay Baer, uh, head over to OnTrackTips.com, look for that big red button and push it. Kaboom! You know what's going to happen. Push the big red button. Jay Bear, where can we find more Jay Bear? I have uh, one more plug, Jason. Actually, it's timely. Uh, I have a brand new ebook coming out uh, 30 days from tomorrow, uh, Utility for Real Estate. It is a definitive guide on how to market your real estate uh, operation better, uh, written in cooperation uh, with Erica Campbell Byron, who's the head of digital marketing uh, for homes.com and for rent.com. It is the best thing I've ever made. It's better than the utility book. Uh, it's 75 pages, $2.99, available on Kindle or Nook. Um, it is available for pre-order right now in the uh, Amazon store. Grab that, you're gonna love it. So I'm super excited about that launch. And you can find more about me pretty much um, anywhere. Probably the easiest place is just to go to convinceandconvert.com. You can find our blogs, podcasts, email, all that stuff. Utility for Real Estate. There's a link already in the sidebar description, so go ahead and grab your copy there. Jay Bear, thank you so much, sir. You are an amazing, amazing wealth of information for small business owners like myself and the listeners here at Get On Track, Stay On Track. You are helping us to do that very thing. Thank you, sir. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Great show. Thanks, Mike.